from the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi, this is Tracy Jan calling from The Post. I'm President Trump, how are you? Hi, it's Robin Gibbon at The Washington Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, October 2nd. Today, the president has tested positive for the coronavirus. What's happening inside the White House and what this could mean for the election. Early Friday morning, we learned via Twitter and a statement from the president's doctor that President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump had tested positive for the coronavirus. My name is Josh Dalsey. I cover the White House for The Washington Post. The president and the first lady tested positive uh, for COVID-19. The news came after Hope Hicks, a top aide to the president, tested positive. Uh, They remain in good spirits. Uh, uh, The president does have mild symptoms. Merrick Meadows, his chief of staff, says the president is experiencing mild symptoms, but is still working uh, in the residence. And they have not been specific on what mild symptoms mean. And as... uh, as we look to try to uh, make sure that not only his health and safety and welfare is good, we continue to look at that for all of the American people. And so what is happening to the president right now? The president is quarantining, according to his doctor and the residents. His travel, he was expected to do a number of campaign rallies. He's been doing big, boisterous events with thousands of people without masks in recent days. We have about a month before the election. Those have been scuttled for the foreseeable future. He's supposed to go to Florida today. He's not going there. Uh, Aides say that he is in the White House residence making calls and doing uh, work remotely. And do we know where the president got this from and if there is an effort to do contact tracing in the White House right now? There is an effort to do contact tracing in the White House. Uh, Dozens of people have been contacted already. People are getting tested. Chris Christie, uh, who's one of the president's friends, led his debate prep, is being tested. Rudy Giuliani says he's getting tested. A lot of the aides and campaign officials are being tested this morning. And a number of uh, folks who were with the president last night, he was at Bedminster at his golf club on Thursday night doing a fundraiser. Uh, They're going to be tested. But it's difficult to know exactly where we got it. So far, two uh, close associates of his, Hope Hicks and then Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, both say they've tested positive along with the first lady. And all three of those officials, obviously, are in contact with various people in their orbits and universes. So how the coronavirus came to the president and to the first lady, we don't precisely know yet. This morning, the Biden campaign announced that both Joe Biden and his wife have tested negative for coronavirus. But is there still a concern that he might have been exposed at the debate on Tuesday night? Well, it's hard to know. The the two podiums or the two lecterns were more than 10 feet apart, according to debate organizers, and they say the men did not have any sort of contact backstage. So according to, you know, the Cleveland Clinic, which led uh, the big debate in Cleveland, they followed all protocols and, you know, the men were not close to each other. That said, you know, both Joe Biden and the president and the family members were all in rooms. Uh, Many people in the Trump orbit were not wearing masks. Whether Joe Biden is at risk, we don't know. But we do know he was fairly far apart from the president and did not have any sustained close contact. 
So as the president is in quarantine and we continue to see how his symptoms may unfold, I wonder if there are larger questions about how much we're going to know. Because, you know, this is a president who hasn't been particularly transparent about his medical history in the past. And especially as we're trying to get a sense of what his symptoms actually are and how he's experiencing them, is there a concern that that we might not actually know, that there might not be honesty and transparency about what's going on? Well, sure. The White House Correspondents Association, uh, which a post is obviously a member of, um, has uh, repeatedly asked the White House in the last 24 hours, I'm told, to be transparent and to give us updates on the president's health and to tell us how things are going and that the country deserves to know. Whether they'll do that or not, it's a little unclear. In the past, they've been very reticent to discuss the president's health. The president has been secretive about a whole litany of things that are personal to him. And whether we will get accurate information from the White House remains to be seen. I think uh, myself and my colleagues will be digging around and asking lots of people who are in contact with the president how he's doing and what's going on. But there's no precise way to really know. So if the president is going to be in quarantine for the next several weeks and having to cancel so many of his campaign events, what does that mean for the rest of the time until the election? Like, is there a concern that this really puts Trump behind? Well, sure. I mean, the concern among the president's political advisors is that he was already behind. And these next four or five weeks, having barnstorming events across the country was the way they were going to try and close the gap. One irony here is one of the main reasons the president is behind, according to pollsters and his own aides, is his handling of the coronavirus. You know, more than 205,000 dead Americans, millions have contracted. And a president who has proudly said he played it down and has continued with his life without a mask, with these big events. And aides have been trying trying to move a topic of conversation away from the virus to the economy, to the Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett, to a number of topics that they think are more politically advantageous for him. But this brings it back roaring front and center for the foreseeable future where, you know, the president himself now has this virus and his administration has been criticized for the way they've responded to it. Josh Dossie is a White House reporter for The Post. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Coming down with COVID-19 a month before the election was not part of the president's re-election strategy. I'm Amber Phillips. I'm a political analyst for The Fix at The Washington Post. 
We know that back in February, he was warned that this could be deadlier than the average flu, and he kept that to himself and told the public not to worry about it. We lose thousands of people a year to the flu. We never turn the country off. We lose much more than that to automobile accidents. He's spent every opportunity since to try to downplay the virus, to try to demonstrate that he was not afraid of it. Now, the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. Uh, Typically, that will go away in April. To try to argue, especially as the election nears, that it was behind America for all but the most vulnerable people. It affects virtually nobody. It's It's an amazing thing. By the way, open your schools. Everybody open your schools. Here we are in a moment where not only is the election day a month away, but millions of people have already cast ballots, millions more being mailed out. Early voting is starting in a number of states. I mean, the election is underway right now as the president announces he got sick. Do we have any sense yet of whether he'll be able to do any campaign events, if he's going to try to campaign from quarantine, or if this is affecting his ability to fundraise in these last few weeks? Right now, we know that the president and the first lady are home while they recover. So that means all campaign travel is off. Our White House team is also reporting that aides who were around him, and there were a dozen, maybe even dozens of people he interacted with, are going home and quarantining and getting tested. So that makes it very difficult for the president to get out there and campaign. Certainly, you know, Democrats have figured out how to do much of this virtually, virtual fundraisers, virtual events, occasionally getting Joe Biden out in person in a socially distant situation. But even that doesn't seem like a possibility for the president right now. You know, we don't know how sick he is uh, or how sick he might become. We know that the president at 74 and overweight is part of that category of vulnerable people that health experts warn get hit harder and longer by the virus. And we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic that other heads of state have contracted coronavirus. I'm thinking of Boris Johnson from the UK or President Jair Bolsonaro of Brazil. But as you pointed out, President Trump is older than both of them and that he has a much higher risk of not faring well from this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is certainly possible. This isn't uh, something that leaves him flat for a while. It's also possible it is. That's part of what has scared health experts so much about this virus is it's just been very difficult to predict who it hits, how hard it hits that person, how long it takes for them to recover. You know, we know that there are many stories of people having months and months and months of complications from the coronavirus. And I'm not trying to, you know, fear monger anyone about how this could affect the president, but it is just the reality of this virus that that it is something health experts don't understand and can't predict in terms of how it will affect an individual person. And as you say, Joe Biden has been much more careful during this campaign in terms of being wary of public events or interacting with other people, trying to stay safe. And in some ways, he's better positioned this month to be able to continue doing campaigning in a virtual manner or in a socially distanced manner. And I wonder if there's a world in which this could be good for President Trump. You know, the president and his wife being sick with COVID feels like that's going to suck a lot of oxygen out of the 
the campaign for the next several weeks, that all eyes will be on Trump and how he's doing, that it might be more difficult for Joe Biden to get those headlines and get attention. And so is there a world in which this is really bad for Biden? There could be a world in which this doesn't work out well for Biden. Let me say one on on Joe Biden. You know, I don't see him trying to use this as leverage in any way politically. It would seem callous and uncaring about the president and his health. And, you know, Joe Biden issued a statement, of course, Friday morning, say he wishes that they recover quickly. But it's possible, especially depending on how sick the president and the first lady are, that there's a kind of rally around the flag and uh, the commander in chief effect among his supporters or those Republicans who have been distancing themselves from the president in suburbs and swing states because of his handling of coronavirus. Do they perhaps feel more sympathy for him because they themselves, polls show, are afraid that they and their family members are going to get it. I think the answer to that depends on how the president handles this. You know, I still see, Martine, that swing voters and Trump voters who are considering voting for Biden this time around want the president to take the virus seriously. And that is Hmm. just something that has dogged the president and, and kept his poll numbers down in any number of states. And so does this, you know, change how the president uh, handles the virus and how he treats it and the language he uses around it and his own health practices around it in a way that can make Americans feel better about him? Because you could really see it going both ways, where I, I think you could look at the fact that the president has now gotten sick and that that is a reflection of his inability to take COVID seriously. Or you could look at it as, well, you know, now that he's sick, this could make people reasonably hopeful that he will be more responsible in his treatment of COVID in the future. And that that is a reason to vote for him or feel like he has a kind of firsthand sense of what it is to, to experience COVID and that he would be better positioned to handle it well in the future. I agree. It could go either way. That being said, I have yet to see a headline about the president and coronavirus that has helped the president Hmm. in some way. This is just the issue that has stuck with him in a way. Any number of bad headlines and scandals from his taxes to allegations he called military leaders losers, just any number of things, you know, his alleged infidelities, his campaign uh, managers getting indicted. They haven't stuck and drugged down his poll numbers in a way coronavirus has. So, I lean toward seeing this as a negative politically for the president just because it would be a Herculean effort on his part to try to turn around Americans' perception of him and how he and his administration have handled the virus in these last few days. I'm also curious about the future of the debates. Of course, there are supposed to be two more presidential debates between Trump and Biden in the next month. And so many people were frustrated with the first debate from this week, from the level of interruptions, the fact that there were large parts of it that were sort of incomprehensible just because there were so many interruptions. A lot of people joked that, like, maybe this would be better done over Zoom, where you could just mute the president when he's trying to interrupt every other word from Joe Biden. And I wonder if that That is an idea that might be more feasible now that it's clear that the president and Biden won't actually be able to be in a room together, at least in the next several weeks. Right. And yeah, the next debate is just a couple weeks away. And that was supposed to be or set up to be a town hall in Miami where the candidates uh, received questions from socially distanced pre-selected voters. 
I have a hard time seeing that one going on in person. So you're right, Martine, this comes as the nonpartisan commission on presidential debates is trying to rewrite the rules, of course, for in-person debating about how they make it into more of a debate and less of a brawl, especially when one candidate doesn't seem to want to debate. And I do not know, and I'm glad I don't have their jobs trying to figure out how one of the candidates having COVID-19 would factor into that. Amber Phillips covers politics for The Fix. This is a very fast-moving story as we learn how the president is doing and what are the implications for the country and the election going forward. You can find more updates over the weekend at WashingtonPost.com. Post reports. Thanks for listening. Before the news about the president's coronavirus test came out, we had been planning on sharing the second episode of our new podcast series, Canary, The Washington Post Investigates. Now that will be coming out in the Post Reports feed on Saturday. But if you want to listen to the series now, just search for Canary in your podcast app. Our executive producer is Madalika Sika. Our senior producer is Maggie Penman. Our producers are Alexis Diao, Rena Flores, Lena Mohammed, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Spernovsky, and Ted Muldoon, who also composed our theme music. The post director of audio is Jess Stahl. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. 